Welcome to the Bob Harden Show, bringing you news and commentary to keep you informed and enjoying life on the Paradise Coast. And now, here's your host, Bob Harden. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning. Johnson's Air Conditioning is Naples' longest established air conditioning company. They do a great job. You can find out more by visiting johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. We have terrific guests for today's show, including Keith Flaw. He's the co-founder of the Florida Citizens Alliance. We'll visit with Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government. Dr. George Markovich is an orthopedic surgeon. He replaced both of my knees in 2006, and I'm so grateful that he did. So we'll be talking to him about what's happening in medicine, as well as uh, former mayor of Naples, Bill Barnett, will be joining us as well. It is May the 6th, and on this day in 1994, in a ceremony presided by England's Queen Elizabeth II and French, uh, French President Francois Mitterrand, a rail tunnel under the uh, English Channel was officially opened, connecting Britain and the European mainland for the first time since the Ice Age, the uh, Channel Tunnel or Channel connected England with France 31 miles away. It cut travel time between England and France to a swift 35 minutes and eventually between London and Paris to two and a half hours. As the world's longest undersea tunnel, the channel runs uh, underwater for 23 miles with an average depth of 150 feet below the seabed. Wow. Each uh, day, about 30,000 people, 6,000 cars, 3,500 trucks journey through the channel on a passenger shuttle and freight trains. Uh, millions of tons of earth were moved to build the two uh, rail tunnels, one for the northbound and one for the southbound traffic and one uh, service tunnel. 15,000 people were employed at the peak of the construction. Only 10 people lost their lives during construction. The channel's $16 billion cost was roughly twice the original estimate, and completion was a year behind schedule. One year into service, Eurotunnel announced that a huge loss, one of the biggest in United Kingdom corporate history at the time, a scheme to which banks agreed to swap billions of pounds worth of loans uh, for the uh, shares saved the tunnel from going under. It showed its first net profit in 1999. Uh, Freight traffic was suspended for six months after a fire broke out on the lorry in the uh, tunnel in uh, 1996. Nobody was seriously hurt in the accident. In 1996, the American Society of Civil Engineers identified the tunnel as one of the seven wonders of the modern world. How about that? On this day opened in 1996. Councilman Gary Price has tested positive for COVID-19, marking the fourth member of the Naples City Council since October to say they'd contracted the virus. Uh, Price has been quarantined for the past week, but he said he's, uh, it wasn't a severe case. He says he's feeling better. It really didn't hit me that bad, he said. I'm thankful. Well, uh, let's not get too comfortable about covid uh, the most vaccinated country on earth closes schools and sports as COVID cases surge. 35% of new cases are fully vaccinated residents. This uh, community, this uh, country is, say, Chile's. I'm sure I'm mispronouncing that. It's probably got a French or uh, Portuguese pronunciation, but uh, say, Chile's which has uh, fully vaccinated more of its population against COVID-19 than any other country, has closed schools and canceled sporting events for two weeks 
as infections surge. The measures, which include bans on the intermingling of households and the early closure of bars, come even as the country has fully vaccinated more than 60% of its adult population with two doses of the vaccines. The curves are similar to those last imposed at the end of 2020. Now, perhaps put in perspective uh, why uh, Fauci wants us to stay all masked up. <laughs> I mean, these these uh, vaccines are not as uh, virile as the uh, made out to be. Well, Travel and Leisure recently wrote that Naples is the number one U.S. beach town to live in. The magazine cited the personal finance site Wallapub for determining the best beach towns to live in in the United States. Wallapub ranked them according to 63 indicators, including affordability, weather, safety, economy, education, and health and overall quality of life. Uh, Wallapub rated 145 total cities. Uh, New York City's based uh, monthly publication lauded Naples for its unbeatable quality of life and relative affordability. Well, I can agree with that. Located on Florida's Paradise Coast along the Gulf of Mexico, the magazine said it in its April issue, the town offers lots to see and do, including pristine white sand beaches and day trips to nearby Everglades National Park. Uh, Naples was kicking sand at the other uh, cities who ranked second best and lower Lahaina, Hawaii, is number two. Lahaina is one of the most beautiful places on the globe. But they're number two to, to Naples. Boca Raton was three. Newport Beach in California, number four. Santa Monica, California, rounded out the top five. Bonita Springs was uh, 67, and uh, Marco Island ranked 83rd. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis on Tuesday scheduled a special election to fill the U.S. House seat vacated by the late Representative Alcee Hastings for January 11th, 2022. I'm going to be a, doing an executive order to set, uh, to set the special election for the Congressional District 20 Alcee Hastings seat, DeSantis said. We're going to do the primary on November the 2nd and general election for uh, January the 11th. I know someone who ran for it before. There's a lot that, that goes into it. I know there'll be a lot of folks who want to run for it, so hopefully that will give them enough time to be able to get on the ballot and do what they need to do to be competitive, DeSantis said. Florida's 20th district is considered a safe territory for Democrats, and governor's decision to set the special election for the next year is all but sure to be criticized. Democrats hold a razor-thin majority in the House, meaning that the election will leave them without a potentially crucial vote for another eight months. One of the Democrats running for the seat is Broward County Commissioner Barbara Sharif, has called for a primary in August and general election in November. Palm Beach County Election Supervisor Wendy Link called for the primary on September the 14th, uh, followed by a general election on November the 9th. By the way, Hastings passed away last month at the age of 84 after battle with pancreatic cancer. He represented the 20th district for nearly 30 years. He started his career as a civil rights attorney before he was nominated in 1979 by then-President Jimmy Carter as a federal judge. He was later impeached by the House for perjury and bribery and was later convicted in the Senate. However, Hastings was able to move mount a political comeback in 1992 and won a seat in the House before he was re-elected 14 more times. He most recently served as vice chairman of the House Rules Committee and was also a member of the U.S. Helsinki Commission and the dean and co-chair of the Florida delegation. Hastings said in 2019 he was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. 
What a comeback, huh? Impeached as a federal judge. Well, the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention announced that the birth rate in the United States fell by 4% in 2020, the largest yearly drop in five years, five decades, I should say. The rate uh, dropped across every major racial group and nearly all age groups, falling to the lowest point since the government started tracking the data more than a century ago. The U.S. once was among only a few developed countries with a fertility rate above 2.1 children per woman uh, that ensured each generation had enough children to replace itself. But the rate has been sliding for more than 10 years, and last year dropped to 1.6, the lowest rate on record. The figures suggest that the current generation will not have enough children to replace itself. Well, Joe Biden's going to solve that problem by just opening up the borders, huh? The CDC report is based on a review of more than 99% of birth certificates issued last year. The findings echo a recent Associated Press analysis of 2020 data from 25 states showing that births had fallen during the coronavirus outbreak. The fact that you see declines in births, even for older moms, is quite striking. That, according to uh, the Guardian report, the outlet further noted that the coronavirus may have contributed to last year's birth rate as people were anxious about having children during the pandemic. The U.S. birth rate dropped to uh, 56 births per 1,000 women of childbearing age, the lowest rate on record. The rate is about half of what it was in the early 1960s. Unbelievable. That is a concern, and uh, it is a concern all over the world, actually. We're seeing uh, China... <laughs> has a lot of testosterone over there with that one-child policy. But the point is that uh, the birth rates are dropping around the globe, and but especially concerning here in the United States. We need uh, 2.1 uh, children per birth uh, per woman in order to sustain our population. Former President Trump on Tuesday launched a communications platform which inevitably give him the ability to communicate directly with his followers after months of being banned from sites like Twitter and Facebook. By the way, uh, Facebook has continued the ban of the Trump and will review it in another six months. The platform from the desk of Donald J. Trump appears on www.donaldjtrump.com. The space will allow Trump to post comments, images, and videos. The technology appears to be powered by the campaign nucleus the digital ecosystem made for efficiently managed political campaigns and organizations. The space allows Trump to post and allows followers to share their former president's posts to Twitter and Facebook. However, the new platform does not have a feature that allows users to reply or engage with Trump's posts. Uh, this is just one-way communication, one source said uh, and told Fox News. The system allows Trump to communicate with his followers, which I think is great. Uh, by the way, we don't have time for this. Well, I'm going to go ahead and do it anyhow. Last year, St. Louis City saw the highest homicide rate in 50 years, but there's little or no action on the circuit uh, attorney, Kim Gardner. Well, she's now uh, being, <laughs> she's, uh, the, she's the chief law enforcement officer. You may remember from that escapade uh, when the people were defending their home. Well, she has a, she's been a complete disaster at, in the city of St. Louis, She's a Soros-funded circuit attorney, and as of, Turi, the, as of Tuesday, the Missouri State Disciplinary Council found probable cause that Kim Gardner committed professional misconduct, and she may lose her law li license. Can't happen soon enough. It's about time. 
This segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning, Naples' longest established air conditioning company. Visit uh, johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. Coming up, Keith Law, co-founder of the Florida Citizens Alliance. That and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. I'm Bob Harden, the host of the Bob Harden Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lulabee's Diner, providing great service, fabulous food, and a rockin' good time. Lulabee's Diner is a throwback to the 60s, complete with great music and a fabulous 60s decor. What I like best is a blend of great food, great value, and terrific service. Most of the friendly waitstaff has been part of Lulabee's for years. I enjoy the great choices for breakfast and lunch, and you'll find the menu has everything and anything to satisfy your taste. Lulabee's offers catering, party platters, lunch boxes, and more. Lulabee's Diner will quickly become one of your favorites for breakfast or lunch. No reservations are needed. Check out the website at lulabees.com and stop by Lulabee's Diner, open from 8 a.m. until 2 p.m., seven days a week. Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads. Stop by Lulabee's Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool rockin' good time. Did you know St. Matthew's House operates the only emergency homeless shelters in Collier County? St. Matthew's House provided more than 500,000 hot meals to those in need last year, and since 2010, 527 men and women have graduated from the St. Matthew's House Justin's Place Addiction Recovery Program. For over 30 years, St. Matthew's House has provided innovative solutions to fight homelessness, hunger, substance abuse, and poverty in Southwest Florida. And you can help St. Matthew's House in this life-transforming work by patronizing the St. Matthew's House Thrift Stores, Cafe M25, Car Wash and Detailing Center, and award-winning catering operations. For more information, visit stmatthewshouse.org. That's stmatthewshouse.org. St. Matthew's House is a 501c3 not-for-profit organization and does not solicit government funding. Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. Brought to you in part by Choice Social. It's a new refreshing social networking platform. I hope you'll check it out at choicesocial.us. Coming up, we're going to visit with Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government. Right now we have with us Keith Law, co-founder of the Florida Citizens Alliance. Keith, thank you so much for joining us. Good morning, Bob. Good morning, Keith. Tell us about the Florida Citizens Alliance. Well, we're a uh, grassroots organization. Uh, we started back in 2012-13. You were actually uh, what a part of our original founding group. Yeah, proud of uh, it, We focus on K-12 through education reform. I always struggle a little bit with that word reform because uh, we firmly believe that you can't reform monopolies, which are what we have in our government schools. Right. But we work very hard on concepts like uh, uh, parent uh, parental choice, school choice, um, getting rid of the indoctrination, 
And uh, right now, we're working really hard to stop critical race theory that's uh, in our schools. Yeah, you have an open letter to the uh, governor about the critical race theory. Maybe you could tell us about it. Yeah, the governor's uh, I mean, he's going around the state saying some really strong things. He's calling critical race theory wacko, and he's saying it's banned. Uh, but And those are great words. I mean, the rhetoric is terrific. Um, what we're trying to do is now match up the facts underneath that. Mm -hmm. uh, we have uh, here in Florida this this quarter, we have all of the school districts buying. <coughs> excuse me, they're buying um, English language arts textbooks that match up against the the really good standards we worked on. Well, standards are terrific, but if you're buying books that are full of crap, pardon my French, uh, <laughs> then you, you're you're not really implementing those standards right. and what we're finding in the in the books that are, are being bought for students all the way from k through k up to k through 12 is that the materials uh, while they align with the standards much better than in the past they're full of critical race theory and all of its tentacles that's just very disappointing. So it's it's kind of sneaky in a way because uh, you know it's one thing to ban it, and so there's no chapter called critical race theory, I'm sure, but it just threads itself through the narrative, doesn't it? In the textbooks, isn't that what's happening? It's very subtle. Uh, they're, uh, in many cases, they're not calling it critical race theory, but they're using all of the the euphemisms. Uh, you know, cr critical race theory is identity-based Marxism, mm -hmm. and what the the, the euphemisms they're using are equity, not equality, equity, social justice, uh, you know, diversity and solutions and culturally uh, uh, programmed learning. So um, those are some of the tentacles. Uh, but um, our point is if these school districts are buying these materials, and, and not if, they are as we speak. Mm -hmm. Every school district in Florida is buying them. Once they bought them, the money spent, they're going to be in our schools for the next four to six years. Right. So the governor can say all day long they're banned, but they're not. So we're proposing to get to the meat of the open letter. It's on our website. We're proposing the governor do two things. One, we're proposing that he put a full stop, a halt, uh, to all of the, the um, purchasing efforts that are going on in the school districts until those Department of Education can guarantee that the uh, the, the the critical race theory and its tentacles have been removed. And number two, and I don't know if your listeners are aware of this, but a couple of weeks ago, uh, Biden uh, instructed the Secretary of Education uh, to put a process in place where the Department of Education could provide critical race theory grants directly into the school districts across the country. Hmm. And we want the, uh, our governor to... Uh, prohibit uh, any school district from accepting that uh, those grants uh, good move I mean, for our listeners that may not be familiar with critical race theory it's uh, the tentacles are just all the premise of this entire thing is identity politics you know, the group that you belong to pretty much determines for example uh, your status in life uh, if you happen to be a white person, you you suffer from white privilege you should be ashamed uh, and you know those types of things actually, I believe in diversity, the diversity of individuals. We're all individuals. We're all unique like snowflakes, and uh, that should be the only form of diversity we should concern ourselves with. Uh, we fully agree, uh, but that's obviously not what's, what's happening. And, uh, and so 
uh, our view is uh, going to stop the train. Uh, let's put some teeth behind the governor's very bold statements. I mean, we love uh, what he's saying. Yeah. It, it's just a matter of now we've got to make what he's saying real. Yeah, the devil's in the details, isn't it? So are this is this mainly our only language arts uh, types of uh, materials, or is it uh, weaving its way on other types of topics as well? Well, uh, the process in Florida every year is a, ma- is a major subject material buy. Um, this year, it's English language arts. Next year, it'll be math. The year after that, it'll be social studies. And ah. the year after that is uh, science. So the focus right now and what's been a- the, the, the books that have been approved by the Florida Department of Education are just English language arts. Gotcha. And so is there a selection that, uh, uh, that the... Uh, each school board could choose. Do they have different choices, or the, the, are there? It's it's two ways that this can happen. Most of the smaller counties just go to the state-approved list and buy off the list, mm-hmm. uh, so they don't do any of their own homework, so to speak. Uh, counties like Florida or like Collier have a, a hybrid process under the law, and they put a committee in place, and they can select, you know, up to fifty percent of the books off whatever they want. Mm-hmm. Um, they tend to buy still off the list. Yeah. Uh, Collier County, for example, adopted their uh, their English language arts K through five books on the thirteenth of of uh, April, and on the thirteenth of May, they have thirty days for uh, us residents to raise objections. On the thirteenth of May, they'll st- they'll they'll finalize that buy and they'll start literally purchasing the books. All right. So this is extremely timely or time sensitive. So I want our listeners to make sure you visit the uh, the website, uh, goflca.com, goflca.com, and check out the letter, number one, and number two, uh, let your school board know, uh, you know, let's, you know let's, be, let's stand behind this movement, because I think what Keith is doing is just terrific. Again, the what we're going to be doing tomorrow, Bob, is uh, we've been gathering signatures, and we now have over 45 different organizations across the state that are co-signing the open letter. Uh-huh. And tomorrow morning, uh, it'll probably be closer to noon, but have your listeners be listening, looking for it. Uh, we're going to be posting an alert on our website, an action alert, and we're going to ask, uh, we're hoping to get you know, tens of thousands of people uh, t- to send a, a letter to the, both governor and commissioner saying, you know, full stop. Perfect. Count me in, Keith. I just genuinely appreciate your commentary here on the show. And again, visit the website, goflca.com. Uh, Keith, genuinely appreciate your commentary. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, take care. Have a great weekend, Bob. You as well. Thank you. All right, coming up, Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government. That and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Luke Provence Restaurant is a favorite dining destination for many Neapolitans, including Linda and myself. Blue Provence, located in a historic building in the heart of Old Naples at Creighton Cove, offers a mix of French bistro cooking with bold, fresh Floridian flavors. Experience award-winning cuisine at Blue Provence and enjoy one of Florida's most extensive, eclectic, and fun wine cellars. Dining your choice of the popular Eden Bar, the intimate Courtyard Garden, or the beautiful Provencal Caribbean Dining Room. Enjoy a wonderful and memorable evening in a casual and relaxed atmosphere 
that includes a taste of Provencal hospitality. Blue Provence is open seven days a week, all year round. Visit BlueProvenceNaples.com for reservations, everyday specials, and coming events. That's BlueProvenceNaples.com or call 261-8239. That's 261-8239. Blue Provence French Restaurant in the heart of Old Naples. Golfshore Playhouse is passionately committed to enriching our cultural landscape by producing professional theater to the highest artistic standards and providing unique educational opportunities to folks in a spirit of service, adventure, and excitement. Over the past 15 years, the Playhouse has expanded immensely, outgrowing its current facilities. With dreams of expanding even further in order to better serve the community, broaden the economic impact, and strengthen the cultural fabric of our region, it's time to build and move into a new home. A 44,000 square foot state-of-the-art theater and education center will be built on three acres at the corner of First Avenue South and Goodlett Frank Road, allowing Gulf Shore Playhouse to achieve those dreams. To find out more about Gulf Shore Playhouse, this state-of-the-art performing arts center, and about the season's exciting productions, visit golfshoreplayhouse.org. That's golfshoreplayhouse.org. We'll see you at the show. Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Golf Shore Playhouse, bringing you professional New York-style theater at its very best. I hope you'll visit the website, golfshoreplayhouse.org. Coming up, we're going to be visiting with Dr. George Markovich. Right now we have with us Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government. Seton, thank you so much for joining us. Good morning, sir. Good morning, Seton. Tell us about Less Government. Uh, yeah, we exist to the size, scope, and sphere of influence of government. And as Joe Harden on CNBC just said, he leaned way far off camera left and said, why does the Biden administration always end up here? <laughs> and so, you know, you wrote a column about the World Trade Organization. We had an opportunity to actually defund that whole thing, get rid of it. But it's still around. And, and uh, you wrote your column about the World Trade Organization is allowing trade cheats to hide their cheating for many years. Maybe you can tell us about it. Yeah, well, I don't want to get rid of the World Trade Organization. I do want to get rid of the United Nations. I definitely want to get rid of the World Health Organization. Unlike those two entities, the World Trade Organization actually serves a useful purpose. Ah. Uh, when they're doing their gig, when they're doing what they're supposed to be doing, there's a reporting requirement for member nations on what they're subsidizing in their exports, so that the rest of the world knows what they're subsidizing at the at the, at the uh, in their exports, and there are rules in place where you can only subsidize so much. Now, I would like to use the World Trade Organization to reduce those things to as close to zero as possible. Right. But in the meantime, they're not. Uh, many many countries are not reporting their subsidies, and that's problematic because, of course, one. They are uh, cheating the, the system as it currently exists because they, sh they could conceivably get punished for, for over-subsidizing the goods. Now, keep in mind, when we talk about trade, there's basically three anti-trade things that government does. It tariffs imports, it limits imports, and it subsidizes exports. Far and away, the worst thing of the three is subsidies. Mm -hmm. Because if they limit imports and they, li and they, and they tariff imports, Euro, uh, you, the United States is only hurt with that country. Mm -hmm. 
Um, if they subsidize their exports, every country in the world is hurt. Right. Because, of course, every dollar they subsidize, they can charge a dollar less, artificially lowering the market price of whatever the subsidized item is. So that screws up the whole global market. So we need to have a good picture of what the global subsidy system is so we can address these problems and then negotiate trade deals, you know, more, more informed than we currently do. Right. And, and so, you know, the, 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 you can't get to zero if you don't know where you are now. So, uh, and so uh, the, the point of the piece was, you know, the, the, the head of the, uh, the subcommittee in the World Trade Organization in charge of this is from Sweden, and he said, hey, wait a minute, guys. We don't have enough reports to review here because these countries aren't re- reporting their subsidies on it t- by the deadlines. And of course, as with many of these, you know, as with many of these organizations, the, there's not really a lot of follow-up on. Okay, these countries haven't provided their data. Let's go after them. Um, you and I have discussed Brazil and sugar. Right. Brazil subsidizes somewhere between four, two point five, and four billion dollars a year Jeez. just their sugar farmers. Hmm. And so, of course, they can charge two point five to four billion dollars a year less than the rest of the planet. So, gee, shocker, they control almost half of the entire global sugar market with a hundred countries selling sugar. Hmm. Um, they haven't reported their sugar subsidies since 2018, hmm. which means it may even be higher than that. It's part of the reason why. Part of the reason we don't know exactly how much prior to 2018 is because they obfuscated. They do all kinds of goofy things like, hey, we'll ma- you know, we'll make you, hey, sugar farmer, we'll make you a loan. Oh, look, the loan went away. Yeah. You know, <laughs> that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, in addition to the direct cash payments and all of that. Um, and, of course, they haven't reported in three years, so they pr- may have inflated even further the kinds of subsidies they're, they're giving their, their, their producers. So I, you know, Seton, actually, I wasn't aware of the World Trade Organization playing the function of uh, reporting subsidies and tariffs and so forth. I think that's a it's a great mission. I wonder why they're not yes. uh, we're not fulfilling it. Well, the U.S. has been complaining about you know under Trump, of course, the U.S. was complaining about this and saying, "Hey, you guys are supposed to be enforcing these reporting requirements, and many of these countries are years in arrears, and we need to know what we're up against." as we go to negotiate trade with these countries. It's also, this, is, this yet again demonstrates why multilateral trade deals are dumb. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if you, if you cut a deal with five countries in Brazil, and Brazil on sugar, and Brazil is subsidizing the crap out of sugar, you can't really address it because you've got four other countries in the mix. Right. Um, what you want to do is do bilateral, two-country deals, no, you know, with as much information as you can get, including their subsidy regime, so you know what you're up against. The reason Trump was imposing tariffs, not because he liked tariffs, but because people were in, countries were exporting subsidized products into the United States and undercutting domestic production with artificial below-market prices. So hits. And that's called dumping, that's called whatever you want to call it, yeah. but it's not free trade, it's not fair trade. Right. So the, the WTO it, it, it serves some useful purposes, unlike the UN, unlike the World Health Organization, and they should, uh, you know, as the Swedish head of the subcommittee said, hey, we have, <laughs> we got to get this information, please. Absolutely. Well, I, you know, that's that's so interesting. Also, that kind of underscores the importance of the approach that uh, President Trump was taking with regard to trade. He wanted uh, bilateral agreements. He didn't want multi-company agreements. 
uh, or country agreements to uh, because f- for the issue I'm sure that you've highlighted. Well, that that and it dilutes our market power. Yeah. When we're you know we're, we're still foundering around as we are, we're still the world's largest economy. If we go into a bilateral agreement, two countries, two negotiations, we can assert our market authority. If we go into a four, five, six, ten country trade deal, well, they can gang up against us and dilute our ability to negotiate a better deal for ourselves. Unbelievable. You know, it's such a shame to see so many of these uh, countries right now, well, for example, Ford deciding to build their hybrid or their electric uh, cars in Mexico. <laughs> here we go again. Well, and here that's the best part. Those cars can't exist without mass U.S. government subsidies, and we're not even getting the jobs from them. That's right. Unbelievable. See, we're my, funding the stupid electric cars, which are fake energy co- transportation. They're fake transportation. And the one good benefit would be, okay, building the fake cars with the, with the government money, and we're not even getting that. All right, Seat Motley, again, the founder and president of Less Government. I encourage you to visit lessgovernment.org. Uh, you can also visit Less Government on Facebook. Seat, I genuinely appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you very much, sir. My pleasure, indeed. All right, coming up, we're going to visit with uh, Dr. George Markovich. He is an orthopedic surgeon. Uh, he actually replaced both of my knees in 2006, for which I'm foreverlastingly grateful. We're going to do that more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Do you suffer from joint pain in your shoulders, hips, or knees? I was suffering from debilitating pain in my knees. On a referral, I saw Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine. He successfully treated my symptoms and pain for several months. Finally, having exhausted all alternatives for pain management, Dr. Markovich and I agreed that surgery was my best alternative. Dr. Markovich replaced both of my knees in 2006, and I now have full range of motion in both knees, and I have no pain. I now play golf and exercise free of debilitating pain in my knees. Don't suffer needlessly with joint pain. Call orthopedic surgeon Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine at 482-5399. That's 482-5399. He did a great job for me and he'll help you too. You listen to The Bob Harden Show, so why not market your company to our loyal listeners? Ads are played live on each show and then archived so listeners can hear the show and your ad at their convenience. Each advertising package includes a banner on BobHarden.com with a link to your website at no extra charge. Join Lulabee's Diner, Johnson's Air Conditioning, Blue Provence, and many others who advertise on the show. Call me at 598-3889, that's 598-3889, or send an email to BobHarden at Hotmail.com to design an ad program that's just right for your business and your budget. You'll be pleasantly surprised at the cost and the value. Several advertisers have been with me for years. Find out why by calling 598-3889 or send me an email to bobharden at hotmail.com. You'll be glad you did. Welcome back to the 
Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. We're providing you news and commentary rooted in a commitment to individual liberty, personal responsibility, limited government, and the rule of law. Coming up, we're going to visit with Bill Barnett, former mayor of Naples. Right now we have with us Dr. George Markovich. He's my orthopedic surgeon. He does a wonderful job. He replaced both of my knees in 2006. I like to say it's the only part of my body that doesn't hurt. (laughs) Dr. Markovich, thank you so much for joining us. Good morning, Bob. We don't have total body replacements yet. <laughs> yeah, I know. You know, I've been thinking about you, and I'm wondering, here we are uh, more than 100 days now into the Biden administration. Is any of this stuff splashing on your practice? So, you know, we're living in interesting times, mm-hmm. and uh, I think the pandemic had a significant effect in, you know, so many areas. As a scientist, as a surgeon, as somebody who looks at things objectively, it's it's important to, to sift out the noise. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of noise going on, but I could tell you from day to day, I really haven't seen much of a change about what I do and how I do it. Mm-hmm. Changes are coming. Change is inevitable. Uh, and reacting to the changes in an effective and positive way uh, so that we can keep doing what we do. We take care of patients. We take care of people. We do it as well as can be done uh, and as well as I can do it, which should be as good as anybody in the world. So it, it hasn't affected it in a tangible way as of yet, but I know things are coming because this is a big government control type of regime. Right. And uh, it, it's, it's interesting. You know, I mean, uh, think about you know, the Facebook thing with, you know, a former president and, and going back in the thirties and in, into the nineteen thirties and having a uh ability to uh mute uh, somebody like Churchill and give a platform to somebody like, you know, Hitler and Neville Chamberlain. I mean yeah. <laughs> that's the kind of power we're talking about. It is crazy indeed. I mean <laughs> and it, it is just uh, unbelievable. And right now, uh, you know, you see these, well, Kim Gardner, who is in, in uh, you may have heard about her. She she was in the St. Louis area, and she's one of the uh, Soros-type funded uh, di- attorneys, uh, district attorneys. And uh, she's now being charged with like 57 cases, uh, 57 accounts of of uh, cheating and misdemeanor. Uh, of um, malfeasance with regard to the law. It's just unbelievable what's going on. So I, I guess my point is this. Uh, who can you count on, really, who's in elected office? Who, you know, there's there's so much bias. And right now, I don't know if you heard this, that the uh, right now the uh, Department of Justice is considering intervening on the uh, Maricopa County audit. Can you believe that? I can believe anything these days. Uh, however, I do think that people are rational, People uh, have a focus of what makes sense and what doesn't. You know, when I meet with patients, they come in with all kinds of information from Dr. Google, and pretty soon we can have a good discussion about, you know, what is the best course of action for their knee or their hip or their shoulder Mm -hmm. beyond, you know, some of the things that sound too good to be true. So I I do think that uh, when when you talk to people uh, individually and, and even collectively, Things either make sense or they don't. And, you know, 
a country uh, is made up of people. Yeah. Corporations are made of people. Yeah. <laughs> Governments are made of people. And, uh, you know, some people are irrational. Uh, some people aren't. And I think that you would have a tough time finding somebody that would <clears throat> invite a bunch of strangers in their house, spend money like a drunken sailor, gamble about on things that have very low uh, probability of working out, and think that everything's going to be okay. Isn't that the case? The, the good news about a drunken sailor is he, when he runs out of money, stops spending. <laughs> the government just <laughs> just keeps on spending, which is just so. Well, the problem is the money's not going to be worth anything. Yeah. <clears throat> you know that that's really the the issue that we've learned historically can happen. So you know, in my world, uh, <clears throat> I try to keep in my lane. I try to make things as simple as they can be. Uh, I like to help people uh, eliminate their pain and improve their quality of life. Yeah, and just, that's my charge. Yeah. That's what I get up and do every day starting at 3.23 in the morning. Oh, my goodness. And so if I can continue doing that effectively, life is going to be good. Life. If things are getting in the way of my ability to do that, uh, then, uh, you know, I'm either going to uh, respond to it or I'm going to do something else. You know, Doctor, uh, you, you are making great contributions. I just want to underscore how much I appreciated your care. Uh, for You took care of me for a couple of years before we replaced my knees. And uh, that you, we tried all kinds of things to try and avoid knee replacement. Frankly, I think, of course, I, don't, I bet you hear this a lot. I wish I'd made the decision sooner. <laughs> <laughs> all the time. <laughs> However, you know, there's some patients that we can uh, help uh, without an operation, like we did with you for a couple of years, yeah. you know. So... The technology's getting better. There's some things that we can do, but it's a team. You know, Bob, it all starts from the top, but it's a team effort. We have wonderful people that <clears throat> know, you know, what to do and, and, and stick to, you know, a script that I've developed over years and years. Um, and, and so, you know, I think it can work. It doesn't always have to be some, you know, big organization where, you know, uh, <laughs> Things happen along the line, and people get lost in the in the cracks and the shuffle. And indeed, so I mean, I just I really appreciated your care. Uh, we uh, replaced both of my knees on the same day, uh, which, looking back, I, I sometimes <laughs> shake my head and say, "What did I have in mind?" But you agreed. Finally, uh, you, you were resistant initially, but uh, said, hey, well, "We'll go ahead and do this." And uh, you know, I just am so appreciative because, uh, again, I'm. I'm I've had just had a back operation. I'm recovering from that, but my yep. goodness, I'm so I'm so much more mobile. I, I'm able to do things that I couldn't do before. It was just it's just been so helpful. Yeah, and you were mentally, physically, and emotionally ready, just like you were years ago for the knees. And in that process, it's important to go through that with somebody that knows you, that cares about you, that knows your medical condition, and knows what's likely to work out and what may not work out as well as or as favorably as we wanted to. So, you know, that I hope never changes. Um, there are some forces at hand. You know, hospitalists now control a lot of what happens in a hospital. Yeah. And they don't really know the patients. And, yeah. and the hospital system sometimes has their view of things that uh, fall contrary to what may work out best for the actual patient and the family. So, you know, it, it's, it's a process. Uh, it's a system that I think is evolving. It's better to have an evolution than a revolution. Uh, revolutions sometimes work out well, sometimes they don't. And I would 
throw that out as a word of caution in more than just the medical realm. Yeah. So interesting. I've, I actually uh, had the opportunity to interact with some hospitalists or with a hospitalist. I guess I had an individual hospitalist. And my observation was that he was pretty much prescribing, uh, you know, look and see tests, things like that, as opposed to, <laughs> I, I like, you know, let's let's uh, get this guy out of my hair. It's pretty much how I felt about my hospitalist. There, There's a lot of variation to it, but they just don't approach things uh, the way um, that one would looking at the complete picture sometimes. Yeah. And, and like you said, a lot of tests are ordered that nobody looks at. Right. Uh, a lot of uh, orders get given that uh, may not uh, uh, jibe with what's actually going on with the patient. So, you know, my view of hospitals are <clears throat> it's a box where the doctors can help patients. Uh, hospital systems, some are good, some aren't quite as good as you want them to be. We have very good hospital systems in our community, thankfully. Um, But, you know, my patients often aren't sick. Uh, They just have a bad joint. Hospitals are for sick people. So uh, we try to keep them out of the hospital as much as we can. Perfect. Again, uh, Dr. George Markovich, uh, you know, great orthopedic surgeon, my orthopedic surgeon. If you have any joint pain, if you're suffering from uh, lower quality of life because of what's happening to your joints, uh, call Dr. George Markovich at 482-5399, 482-5399. Dr. Markovich, always appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you, Bob. Have a great day. You as well. Thank you. All right, coming up, uh, Bill Barnett will be joining us. He is the former mayor of Naples. We'll be doing that and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. <laughs> Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. The dining scene in Naples is among the nation's finest. Get a first-hand experience with Naples Culinary Walks. Join a guided food walk with a terrific guide in a small group through elegant Naples neighborhoods known for destination restaurants. In three hours, you'll stop for small plates on your chosen tour. Dining walk choices include morning, afternoon, and evening offerings on 5th Avenue South, Downtown 3rd Street, Waterside, Galleria Shops at Vanderbilt, and more. Prices begin at only $46 a person, depending on the tour you select. To find out more and to make a reservation, visit NaplesCulinaryWalks.com. That's NaplesCulinaryWalks.com for a great value and a terrific dining experience. Do you have an extra auto you'd like to donate to charity? Maximize your tax deduction, support your favorite charity, and help a local child in need by calling Naples Auto Donation Center. Naples Auto Donation Center is a not-for-profit licensed car dealer. Just call NADC at 692-9840 and they'll take it from there. You get a properly documented tax deduction for whatever the vehicle actually sells for. Your designated beneficiary charity gets half the profit after fix-up costs and the net revenue generated by NADC goes to Friends of Foster Children to provide tutoring and other enrichment activities for foster children the government doesn't provide. And NADC is also one of the few places in Collier County that sells inexpensive cars that actually run to folks who would otherwise not be able to afford one. It's a real win-win. Call Naples Auto Donation Center at 692-9840 or visit the website nadckids.com. You'll be glad you did. 
Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability, creating policies and programs to get able-bodied folks off of welfare back to work. I hope you find out more by visiting thefga.org. We have with us the former mayor of Naples, Bill Barnett. Bill, thank you so much for joining us. Well, Bob, it's always a pleasure. Uh, Thursday mornings. Thursday. Uh, to to, uh, to uh, enlighten you with my uh, bright, cheery voice. Enlighten <laughs> and, and <laughs> our, our audience as well, Bill. So I just really appreciate your commentary, bring us, uh, helping, staying in touch with what's going on in Naples. So I understand there is another uh, marathon uh, city council meeting. Well, they, yeah, they there were there was a definitely another marathon, but last night, well actually they had a they had a workshop on Monday, okay? And then what they did last night or yesterday's meeting started at 8:30 at 10:15 last night, they had six items left, okay, to do. Wow. So they set they set they set another meeting Okay, uh, for next week, I believe it was the thirteenth of. I mean, they said so many meetings, Bob, that <laughs> that I don't know how anybody can keep up with them. Well, it's and um, uh, Monday's workshop was very ugly. Um, there, they uh, they had the city the city manager's uh, performance review, and he got three votes of no confidence. Um, it was very very. Um, uh, mean-spirited. Uh, one of the council members, uh, Mike McCabe, was just absolutely. Um, had I been mayor, I, w- I, I, I think I would have just cut him off um, because you, you don't talk to someone like that. Yeah. Um, doing a public interview. I mean, you know, this was a performance review, and the other thing was they had it staged, so there's never any public comment during uh, uh, an evaluation. Okay. You don't have people weigh in on that it's the council's review of of an individual's performance for the year so they get these two people up there uh, the mayor says oh well we we don't have public comment listed on our on our schedule but we'll let them talk well bob if there was ever a setup that was it mm-hmm. and um they um they they asked some you know the the questions or what they said was just you you could just see it it, it was an unbelievable it was a husband and wife combination, um, and everybody kind of looked at each other like, okay you know what's going on here, but it's just it's just ugly politics that's all I can tell you. Yeah. So uh, is the city manager going to be sticking around? Do you think? Well, you know, Bob, that's a that's a really really that's probably the. The million-dollar question. I don't know if I don't know how he can possibly work um, in an environment that's um, got three out of the uh, out of the the seven council members uh, um, <clears throat> giving him a vote of no confidence. How do you call one of them uh, into your office to to discuss something with them when you know? That they're they don't want you there. Yeah. Um, and and yet you have four. The, the you know the majority does. So even yesterday, um, McCabe started on on Charlie. Blamed him for the agenda and and for it being so long. And uh, um, it's it's ugly for the public to watch. I can tell you that. Hmm. And you can feel the tension. So I don't know what the outcome is. I I know I can tell you one thing. 
unequivocally, and and um, I'm not being funny about it. Teresa Heitman is no leader, and you can you can quote me on that. Um, <laughs> she just does not know how to run a meeting and uh, take control of it. Uh, she lets the public overrun her when it's time for public comment. You get three minutes, okay? If she likes them, all right, she'll kind of forget about the clock. Um, and if she doesn't like what they're saying, uh, as soon as that three minute buzzer goes off, they're done. Yeah. So it's just, um, not a good scene down there at, at good old city hall these days. Morale is very bad. Um, and, um, there it's just, you know, what can I tell you? Um, it annoys me because I, I have said to many people, if someone were elected, I, I didn't mind losing. If someone were elected like a Gary Price or a Bob Harden or someone else, I probably wouldn't even watch any of the council meetings. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. Knowing that the city was in, in good hands and uh, and things were running along uh, with, with proficient leadership. But this definitely isn't it. So, Bill, we miss you. Uh, we, I think this is a sign unto thee to consider running uh, and becoming our mayor again. Well, you know what, Bob? I, I, uh, there was something I would absolutely love to do but i'm afraid that in four years um um i i don't think i want to do that at, at 84 if something were to if she were to resign or something like that were to happen within the next year or so i i would most likely step up and uh, and finish her term out but um i don't think at this time she has any inclination of it unless they start a petition and um uh, you, you know, or do a recall, but, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not looking for that. I'm just simply saying that would be the case, but, yeah. you know, other than that, I think I'm, I think I've hit over hit the age barrier at that time at, and I'd be 84 then. And I don't think anybody wants, uh, some old guy in there that probably, I, I don't know if I'd remember my name. So, you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> You're pretty spry, Bill. You'll be fine at 84. Quite frankly, but I, I get your point, and I understand exactly what you're saying. So, well, you mentioned morale being low. Is it among the city council members? Is it among the staff? No, it's it's it's. I think it's among everybody, but it's definitely among the staff. I mean, the staff is very frustrated. Um, they sit there. They like the the city manager had to send them home last night. They waited for since eight thirty in the morning, and then it must have been probably. 9.30 last night when, when she realized, uh, uh, oh, my gosh, we, we, we need a break, and we've got six items left, six, five or six items left, and all of them were time-consuming. And all and of them, so, all of them had staff there to to. Oh, just, yeah. Oh, my yeah, gosh. So they were sitting there, there for the, all those hours to, just waiting for their turn. Right. Oh. And, so, and so they they... They said, you know, the fire chief was there uh, um, uh, waiting to do a report, and uh, he got to do his. But still, 9.30, 20 minutes to 10 at night, you know, that that's just, it just doesn't work. And it's about setting the agenda. It's about not putting more on than you can handle. And by this time, you ought to darn well know how much time it takes you to, to get an item done because these council members talk a lot. Uh, and, and I'm, I'm not referring to all of them. I'm only referring to a few of them. Right. And of course, Heitman, Heitman asks these questions that are just so off the wall, Bob. I don't know whether she asked because they think that she's a great mayor and she's, uh, uh, no, has all this knowledge, but she doesn't have any knowledge. That's the problem. (laughs) And so you're going to set an agenda for this council. I guarantee you, I could go down there and I could set the, the next 
couple of agendas, and you'd be they'd be done by four four thirty. Now I can't tell you how much they get done, okay, yeah. because they take so much time. Um, so it's a mess. That's all I can say. Absolutely. Well, Bill, I just genuinely appreciate you filling us in on that. Uh, hate to see morale among the uh, staff down because that could lead to unpleasant results. In other words, we could lose good people as a consequence. And uh, well, definitely. And as a matter of fact, McCabe said last night they they called one item up and said, "No, we're going to postpone this." And he said, "Well, you know, we've been working on it for nine months." You know, and it's like um, that's that's what you're dealing with. Yeah, tale of a, a thousand cuts or nice. yeah. So uh, to end on a positive note, I don't know if you're aware with the travel and leisure recently. Uh, this is a magazine, New York based magazine, said that Naples is the number one U.S. beach town to live in. And I guess who they beat out? Uh, uh, they beat Ooh. out. Oh, they beat out. Uh, let's see. Uh, number two is Lahaina. Uh, Hawaii. I don't know if you've ever been there, but my gosh, it's no. one of the most beautiful places on earth. Number two is Boca Raton. Number three is Boca Raton. And then Newport Beach, California, and Santa Monica, California. Wow. Right at the top five. But, you know, Na- Naples, number one. I think that's pretty cool. Yeah, I, I would say that's that's awesome. You know, kudos to us. Kudos to us. And, you know, I recall the recent. Uh, uh, there are several metrics that led to this decision, but uh, I can recall us uh, one year being named the healthiest and happiest community. Oh, sure, in that was three years ago. We had that. We actually had that three years in a row uh, because of our blue zone and everything else. Uh, um, those those were that was a pretty great statistic. I'll tell you. Absolutely. Again, uh, Bill Barnett, former mayor of Naples, uh, <laughs> the saga of uh, the city council and what's going on here. I just genuinely appreciate your commentary here in the show, Bill. Thank you so much for joining us. Bob, you have a great day, and uh, next week maybe we'll be all positive. I hope so. <laughs> Thank you, Bill. <laughs> Take have, care. A, have a great week. Thank you. Well, that's a wrap here in today's show. I hope you enjoyed it. I certainly did. Uh, we've got uh, great guests lined up for tomorrow. William Yateman is a research fellow at the Cato Institute. Uh, we'll visit with him as well as uh, Michael Cannon. He is the Director of Health Studies at the Cato Institute. Look forward to his comments. I'm hopeful that Madison uh, Cawthorn will be joining us. Of course, he's the youngest member of Congress. He's going to be in town. Big event coming up at the, it's called Demon, Denim and Diamonds. It's a gala fundraiser uh, for the benefit of uh, the Naples Classical Academy, which is opening uh, this year. So uh, that's coming up on Saturday, May the 15th. I hope you check out naplesclassical.org, naplesclassical.org to find out more about the event. Anyhow, Linda and I are going to be there and uh, looking forward to Madison Cawthorn being the guest speaker. He'll be there as well. Always appreciate your comments here on the show. You can send me an email at bobharden at hotmail.com. Bob Harden at Hotmail.com. I hope you make it a great day on the Paradise Coast or wherever you are. Namaste. Thanks so much for listening to the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. For more information and audio files of previous shows, visit www.bobharden.com.